0: Good morning. morning. Great to see you on this All Saints Sunday. And uh, as Bobby said so well already, uh, just a reminder that, you know, the Bible says that if you are a Christ follower, you are a saint. Tell your neighbor, you're a saint. Some of you don't want to say it. Okay. All right. You know your neighbor too well. All right. I get that. But let's remember that uh, death is not an ending for a Christian. Death is the beginning of life eternal with God, and so we 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 gotta celebrate that, that because of that gift of God, uh, we get eternal life, and that's that's a big part of what All Saints Sunday is about. So, it's a time for us to remember uh, as we pray that uh, we're here today to think about uh, finally in this little series about prayer, about the power of prayer in our lives, about the power of prayer in. Uh, The world around us and praying for other people. Today I I want to talk to you about the way that that God uses you to minister to other people. And and this idea behind it is this seismic prayer idea is that the tectonic plates are moving uh, beneath the earth. We don't see them, but they move and they cause shaking to happen all around them. That the the reaction to the results of the movement of those plates results in movement above ground that impacts millions of people, and that's really what prayer is about. Something that we do privately, that, that we cannot see the power of God, uh, wielding the power of God, if you will, on our own, but we're asking God to use that power to change us and to change the lives of those around us. So today I want to invite you to think about praying for others. And maybe the greatest insight that I would invite you to think about today is something that I've already said, and I'll say it again, and that is that God wants to use you to minister to other people. God wants to use you to to minister to other people. And let me be more specific and say, Jesus wants to use you to minister to other people. And before I go any further... Uh, I hope that there are some in this room, or maybe some that are watching online, and by the way, welcome if you're watching online, that there are some in this place or watching who do not know Jesus, and I hope that there are some in this place. I want to welcome you. Uh, I want to say to you that if you don't know Jesus, it's important for you to understand that what we believe about Jesus is that Jesus wants to use you to minister to other people. And so you don't misunderstand, please know that Jesus using you is not about using you the way that people sometimes use other people. Because you get that, right? Uh, you, you've been around people that have tried to manipulate you into doing things, right? And sometimes th- there's using people that's going on, and that's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is that Jesus, when I say Jesus wants to use you, I want you to understand that what it means. To say that is that the creator of all that is, the creator of the universe, wants to engage you, wants for you to participate in the movement of God on this planet. Because God has a design for your life. God has a plan for your life. And He would like for you to participate with Him in bringing the message of God's love into other people's lives. And if you've never heard that message of love hear it maybe for the first time today, that God wants to know you. God desperately wants to know you. God so desperately wants to know you that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who was fully human, was fully God. He was born a man. He lived a man. He lived a man as a man and God, and He died. He was crucified, and three days later, He rose from the dead. Let the church say amen. Amen. And then he walked and he talked for the next 50 days with over 500 people who saw him, who have testified about him. And then he ascended into heaven. And it says, the Bible does, that when he ascended into heaven, part of what was important about that for us to understand is that Jesus left so that his spirit would remain so that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so today, if, if you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I pray that you will make that decision today because of The things that I'm going to be talking about in just a few moments make no sense to you at all unless you know who Jesus is. And it's really a very simple thing that you do. It's not easy, but it's simple to do it, right? To to say, God, I've made a mess of my life. To say, God, I don't know how I can make it another day. I don't know how I can go on. I want you to lead my life. And the way we get that leadership is by asking Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And if you've not done that before today, I would invite you today to make Jesus your Lord. Because if you're going to participate in the healing, in the purpose that God has for you in this world, and if you're going to participate in being used by Jesus to to help people know this power of God, it begins by you first saying yes to Jesus. So I want to pause right now. I want to ask you to bow your head and your heart right now. I want to ask you at home to bow your head and your heart right now. And we're going to pray that somebody within the sound of my voice would invite Jesus to be Lord of their life today. So bow your head and your heart with me, would you, for a moment, please? God, we pray over all that are listening. We pray, especially, God, for that one or two or however many are in this room, God, that are really searching, looking for answers, looking for truth, searching for something that would lead them because they've made a miserable wreck of their lives. They're they're wandering, God. Oh, God, we all wander. But today, we remember the power and importance of inviting Jesus to be the Lord of our lives because he knows how to pull us back. He knows how to lead us if we're willing to follow. And we pray, God, over that one, even, even just one God that today would make Jesus, Lord of their life, and transform their world forever. We pray, God, all this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. So let me get back to the original statement. God wants to use you to minister to the needs of other people. And if you have Jesus in you and you are seeking to follow him, then God will use you by his spirit He will direct you to go places in your life that you did not determine on your own, but that you ended up there in that place because God wants you in that place to minister to people in your family, to minister to people that you work with, to minister to that stranger that you meet at the gas station or the grocery store or the movie theater or wherever it is they might be going. God wants to use you to minister to people. And one of the profound ways that God will use you is through the power of prayer. Before I go any further, I want to make sure that you understand that there is a fallacy that exists in the life of the church, and I'm talking about the church, the big C church, the church universal, and that fallacy is is that pastors uh, have a a direct connection with God, and let me just say amen, (laughs) but the rest of that story is, is that pastors don't just have a direct relationship with God, everybody does. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have direct relationship with God. Your relationship with God is not more important or more powerful than my relationship. It is not a a higher priority that I pray. You might say, well, I can't pray. I don't know how to speak those kinds of words. Well, you know, God doesn't care about the words. He cares about what's behind the words. You may feel like I'm not very eloquent. I can't pray. God doesn't care about that stuff. God wants you to know that if we pray that God will listen, God will hear. And we sometimes think that somebody who is deeper spiritually than us has got more effective prayers, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. Because there is nobody that is more spiritual in us than than the next person in God's eyes because the way that God looks at you and me is through the eyes of Jesus. And, And because of Jesus, we have been cleansed. We are made righteous by God. You can't be made a little bit more righteous or a little bit less righteous. You are simply righteous. You are in right relationship with God. And when God looks at you, he sees you as one of his priests. Remember a couple of weeks ago when, when I was talking to you about prayer in the last session, uh, that uh, you are a little priest. Remember I asked you to put on your little diadem. You remember the little hat you put on last, uh, two weeks ago? You didn't bring it with you today, but I know you've got it. A- and you are a priest because we are in the priesthood of all believers. So I hope that you're tracking with me. The point is that God wants all of us to be used by God to invest in the purposes that God has for us, and that involves prayer. So today we're going to look into a little bit of insight that Paul brings to us from the second letter to the church at Corinth. Uh, Acts 18 tells us that Paul left and went and started a church in Corinth, and this church is born there. He spends a year and a half being the pastor there. And seven years later, we get this letter to the church, the second letter to the church at Corinth after he writes the first one. Here's what it says. Listen for the word of the Lord. Paul says, I have the highest confidence in you, and I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all our troubles. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy. But so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy, he said. I'm jumping ahead now to verse 13. He says, we have been greatly encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told you the truth, and now my boasting to Titus has also proved true. Let the church say amen. I was visiting not too long ago with a couple uh, in our church that I would call, that they were experiencing something that I would call being in a torn place. And everybody in the room understands what that torn place is about. A torn place is a place where you are when you're you're being pulled apart by circumstances in life. Maybe you feel like, some of you, like you're being ripped apart by circumstances in life. And this couple was torn apart torn about what was going on in their life and world and it made me think about them as I was preparing for today because a good description of their situation is described by Paul in verse 5 of this this uh, verses that I read let me read verse 5 again he says "When when we arrived in Macedonia there was no rest for us you ever felt like that no rest for you He says, we face conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. Well, if you're not being real to yourself, then you would say you've never experienced those kinds of things. But come on, let's be real. Battles on the outside and fear on the inside. And Paul is describing himself, which is important for us to think about today. uh, Because if you've been around the church much and read much of the Bible, Paul is one of the superheroes of the Bible. When you, when you read Paul and you look at Paul, you find out that of the 27 books in the Bible, uh, there, 21 of them are in the New Testament, 27 in the New Testament, 21 of them are letters, and over half of them, probably three-quarters of them, were written by Paul. He's a giant as far as Christians look back at this guy, this apostle. He was an amazing guy. And, and we think about him, and we think about this dynamo of great faith, and right here in 2 Corinthians, he's saying he was struggling. And we often don't think about Paul struggling because we think he's such a giant of a guy. The couple that I mentioned to you told me that they are in one of our life groups here at Lighthouse and that 10 months ago they were struggling because they were torn. They're wrestling with circumstances in their lives and they didn't know which direction to go. And they were pleading with God to give them some kind of direction because they didn't know how to resolve this situation that they were in. And they said they shared it in their life group and you know what their life group did? They prayed for them. They laid hands on them and they prayed for them. And the couple told me that even as they were being prayed for, they felt the Spirit of God move in their lives. And they came away from that night with burdens released because they recognized that, that they, they realized that, that God was doing something that they weren't aware of. There was movement that was happening that they, that they didn't know. And They said that it was as if, when they finished praying, that the power of God was released into their lives, and as a result of that release, they began to find their way through that circumstance, and and God answered the needs uh, for resolution in that in ways that they could never have imagined. And, And when I was talking with them, they were praising God because God answered this prayer that was that came out of a struggle in their lives. And it is a reminder to us of the power of prayer. Paul says there were external conflicts and internal fears. And what he's doing is he's describing people like you and me. People who get hurt by life, just kind of by life in general, and people who get hurt by people. Is there anybody in this room, if you would raise your hand, is there anybody in this room who has never been hurt by another person? I don't see one hand going up. We all understand what it means to be hurt by other people and hurt by life. And Paul has served as founding pastor at the church in Corinth. He's been there for a year and a half. He's gone on on his missionary work. And and he, he writes these letters back to the church of Corinth because there's misunderstanding and stress. And there's people being hurt by life and by other people. And he wants them to be encouraged. And oh, by the way, let's understand these people at Corinth were Christ followers like many of you, and yet they were struggling as well. And so today in this room or watching online are people who are struggling because they've been hurt by life or are being hurt by life or are being hurt by something someone has done. And these are people that very often when we see them, they smile at us and we exchange a a nice greeting, and we go on our way, and we have no idea about what's going on in their life. We're oblivious to what is happening. And they're struggling because of what is going on in their life. And some are hurt by what other people do, and sometimes when somebody else hurts us, that somebody else doesn't even know that they hurt us. And so we wrestle with that. How do I respond to that? I'm not even sure they know that they've hurt me. How do we deal with that? And there's great insight that we get from 2 Corinthians about these kinds of situations. Because when you look at 2 Corinthians as a whole, what you find out is that it's filled with great emotion. And that great emotion is a picture of humanity. In 2 Corinthians, if you were to read it from front to back, you'd find out that Paul is describing lots of struggles that all of us deal with. It's a picture of the struggles of human life. And and scholars even, when they look at the Bible and specifically the New Testament, part of what they say is, the, the second letter to the church at Corinth is filled with emotion, and it's filled with the concept uh, of this importance of how God wants to reach into our lives and bring comfort to us when we need that comfort. Now, in the translation that I read to you, this word comfort is, is translated encouragement, but you get the idea of encouragement. Encouragement is propping somebody up, coming alongside somebody and encouraging them, and, and this is what comfort is about. And this encouragement, this comfort is reflected in what Paul begins to say by by helping us understand that it begins with having a transparent heart. Listen to what he says in chapter 6, verse 11. He says, Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. It's about transparency, about being real with God and with others. You can hear what he says And what he says in verse 5, he says, no rest for us. Face conflict from every direction, battles on the outside, fear on the inside. And everybody can relate to this because we know about outside circumstances and we know about inner turmoil as well. And for many of us, it catches us by surprise that Paul would say this because when we look at Paul, we say, hey, this guy was a giant of a man. And when we think about Paul, we don't often go... To this passage, verse 5 in Second Corinthians, uh, we, we, we focus more on passages like Philippians 4.13. One of my favorite verses from Paul, he said, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When we think about Paul, we think about verses like that. While wow, this guy says, hey man, you can do everything through Christ who gives you strength. Or this same guy who wrote in Romans 8, verse 37, he said, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When we think about Paul, we think about those kinds of verses. We skip over the struggles that Paul had very often. And yet we must realize today that Paul was a man just like you and just like me, and he had struggles in his life just as well. His life was transformed by Jesus, and because of the victory of Jesus living in him, he wants to set for us an example. He says, look, you, you, and I, you and I need to live, live our lives in such a way that we depend on the power of God in us to get us through whatever challenges we're facing. And so he wants us to be, he wants to be transparent. He wants to be real and say and own that he has challenges. And this is an important aspect for a believer's life. That if we are going to call ourselves Christ followers, we must learn that when speaking about our circumstances, we must learn to be real with God and real with others. Because if we're real, we're, we're, we're taking seriously, we're taking honestly the challenges that we face. Because sometimes life is just really hard. So as we move in these verses, we're told that Titus had delivered a letter to the Corinthians. Paul had sent him with the first letter back to the church. And he had brought back, Titus had, to Paul a report about what was going on in the Corinthian church, which motivated him to write the second letter to the church. Look again in verses 6 and 7. He says, but God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy, he says. He was their pastor. He'd been there for a year and a half, and he sends a second letter back to them with further instruction. He tells Titus, take this letter back to them. And he says in verse 13 and 14, we have been greatly encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told you the truth, and now my boasting to Titus also proved true. Paul essentially tells Titus before he goes out and delivers the first letter. He says, look, those people there at that church at Corinth that you've never met before, they're good people. And they will receive you well. They will receive you with open arms. They will listen to what you have to say. They will want to read the letter that you have from me. He's encouraging Titus to go and do that. And when Titus comes back after delivering the letter, he tells Paul about how gracious they were to him, about how encouraging they were to him, and Titus essentially says, yeah, you were right, Paul. And then Paul responds back. He says, boy, how great you are, Church of Corinth, because the encouragement that I have given to Titus about the kind of people that you were, that that you received it. And I'm so thrilled to know that you're still those good people. So Paul reveals to us a couple of simple teachings about prayer, about praying for others that is seismic in nature he teaches us first be honest remember the couple that i mentioned at the start struggling with what to do in a challenging situation the prayer that they were needing the answers that they were looking for came from their honesty with god and with other people the people in their life group would never have prayed for them about the circumstances that they were talking about if they had not shared that with those people. Be honest with God. And it sounds almost counterintuitive, even as it comes out of my mouth, to say, be honest with God, like like God doesn't know what's going on in your life. but, But you get it, don't you? Because don't you sometimes try to hide things from God? Like, oh, God didn't see that. I didn't do that. I didn't think that. I didn't say that. Like God, like we can hide anything from God. It sounds crazy to say, be honest with God. But friends, please understand, You're the one that's got to be honest with God. We have to be honest with God because God understands. And when we recognize and acknowledge whatever's going on with us, then God can begin to move. You've got to begin by being honest with God and being honest with other people as well. Second, he says, be an encourager, be a comforter. When you pray for others, you're encouraging the comforter. You're encouraging them to 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 understand that this word, this idea of comforter is somebody who comes alongside. Perhaps you've heard these words of prophecy from Isaiah. Isaiah wrote these words 600 years before the Messiah came, the Messiah being Jesus. He was prophesying about what this Messiah would be like. And, and, And these are words that you'll hear a lot coming up as we approach Christmas because Isaiah 40 is often quoted around... Christmas time, because it's one of the prophetic passages about Jesus. Listen to what it says. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places is the plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Such amazing words about what the Messiah will do. The Messiah knows how to bring down the mountains so that they're low. The Messiah knows how to make the rough places plain. So that we can continue to walk in our journey in life. Think about when you've had hardship in your life, one of the central important pieces of that hardship and resolution to it is having a friend or friends who come alongside you and say, hey, I'm going to walk with you through this. There's power, great power in that. And, and the Bible says to us again and again that this is God's role in our lives, that if you'll invite Jesus in, he will be someone who will walk with you. He will come alongside you every step of the way. How great is it in this life to have a friend that you can call on in turmoil, who will walk with you. I had the privilege last Sunday afternoon to uh, attend the worship service for Free Space, the little new faith community that, that Lighthouse is supporting in the bingo hall, the town and country bingo hall down on, on Jacksboro Highway. And I just got to tell you, being there with those people in those small groups is a really sweet thing. Because what you see happening in those groups and in that community there is that they're learning how to come alongside one another and to pray for each other. It's just incredibly sweet to see that kind of activity happening. And and one of the things that I know about this conversation of prayer is that sometimes we don't ask for help because our pride gets in the way. We don't want to let somebody know that we have trouble. We don't want to let somebody know that we've been in a dire circumstance or situation. And again, like none of us are in that place, we've got to be real, we've got to be honest, and we've got to be willing to let the Lord be our comforter and strengthen us. And then the third thing he teaches us is that we should always pray with faith in Jesus' name. That we should invoke the name that is above all names. The name that at every knee shall bow. We should invoke that name when we pray because we're not praying In our our name, we're not praying in our power, we're praying in the power of God. We're asking God to intervene in a particular situation. And so there is great power in that. Prayer is not therapy. Prayer is not figuring out on our own how to navigate our lives. Prayer is saying, God, I don't know how to navigate my life. I don't know about you, but I don't know how to navigate it without God. God is so critical to that. Prayer is about learning to be even more dependent on God. Remember I said at the start, if you want to be engaged in the most profound and meaningful existence that you could ever have, it begins with Jesus living in you because then when you pray, you're leaning on power that you can't fully understand but that you are counting on to work but that you, and because you know it is real. And let, let, me, let me talk to you about the, the power of prayer by example, by sharing with you about my last couple of days. Uh, a little over a month ago, my oldest sister sent me a text and said, hey, dad's going to be honored at the University of Arizona uh, where he taught for 32 years at the alumni breakfast on homecoming day, which was yesterday. And she said, I'm just letting you know about it in case you want to come. And uh, it, it's no big deal. The president of the university is going to be there and the athletic director is going to be there. And if you don't want to come, that's OK, you know, that kind of thing. And the last time Chrissy and I were in Tucson, a little over a month ago, when we got back, some of you are aware that, that she, she twisted her ankle getting out of the car and tore a ligament. So she hasn't been around. If, you, if you're wondering where Chrissy is, she's been at home, hi, hi baby, love you, uh, trying to tend to her ankle to get it repaired. But she, Chrissy said, said you got to go, Frank. This is an opportunity to support your dad, to love on your dad, have a little bit of time with your sisters and stuff. And so I got the tickets to go. And uh, yesterday morning at the alumni breakfast, Dad received this very prestigious award, Professor Emeritus. He taught there at the University of Arizona for 32 years and very involved in the ag college there and such. Here's a picture of Dad and I uh, yesterday. Uh, And Dad's the handsome one on the right, just in case you're wondering about that. But what I want to tell you about is what happened before this happened. Uh, Because before this happened, I I had to get on the plane and, and I had to go to that other city that's east of us, that's a big city that's got an airport over there that I don't like to say the name of a lot. But if you're going to go over to Dallas to get to Love Field, you got to, you know, you got to navigate the challenges of traffic over there. And my flight left at seven o'clock, so I was, you know, I was trying to think of being there at five thirty, so I was there in advance enough time. And you know, going to Dallas at five thirty in the afternoon, oh, what's that look like? So I left at four o'clock to try to get there, make sure I didn't have any trouble getting on the planes. But I got there in good time. And I went to a little food court, and I got a, a, a little pizza, and I sat at this countertop, a tall countertop that had tar, tall bar stools, and it was packed out, pulled in next to this one spot open, and a woman next to me, and, uh, and I, before I opened my box of pizza, I bowed my head and I prayed. Just simple little prayer. Thank you, God, for the food. Thank you for sustenance. God, uh, don't let me die on the plane as we travel, and, <laughs> you know, one of those kind of things, right? And... I finished my prayer. I opened up my box. I picked up the piece of pizza, and before I could get it into my mouth, the woman seated next to me, she says, are you a Christian? And I said, put down my piece of pizza. I said, well, yes, as a matter of fact. And she said, it's so refreshing to see somebody pray. And we had this 20-minute conversation. Uh, Her name was Allison. Her husband's name is Ryan. They're a young couple from Portland, Maine. And she said, you know, where we live up there in Portland, you hardly ever see anybody praying about anything. She said, it's just so fresh to see somebody praying. And she said, I know you're just praying for your food, but it just it it encourages me. And and we had this wonderful conversation. Here's a picture of them. We got on the plane, and this is Ryan and Allison. They're some of my new best friends. Uh, We exchanged phone numbers and we've been texting over the last couple of days. They left Portland to go to L.A. They'd never been there. They were going to stay with some friends out there. And, and, and let me make sure you understand that what she said to me, what Ryan said to me, both of them said to me on several occasions, we were searching for God to speak a word in our lives about, about what he wants for our lives. We've we been needing encouragement from God, and part of the reason we're going on this trip is because we wanted to see God again, because we've become dull to God, and we're being torn apart by life. And she said, said, Allison said to me, she said, you are a gift from God to us today. And and I said, well, I'm not not the gift. The gift is that God knows what's going on with you. And God is answering your prayer uh, by little old me. And, And think about this. God used a piece of pizza to deliver an answered prayer to a couple that needed God to speak into their lives. We got on that plane, We the the two and a half hour or three hour flight, we talked almost the whole entire time about God and about life, and it was one of the great blessings of my life just in this past week. And it's it just a reminder to me, I want to use it as a reminder to you, that God wants to use you to minister to other people. And it may be that you eat a piece of pizza one day and somebody gets blessed because of it. We must be engaged in praying for other people. I want to invite Kelly to come up. Kelly's going to sing a wonderful little song that's called Somebody's Praying. And I want to invite you to listen to the words as she sings. And after she sings, we're, I'm going to lead you in a little bit of a directed prayer uh, about praying for others. So I want to invite you to pause and prayerfully listen to the words of this song.
1: somebody's praying for me mighty hands are guiding me to protect me from what i can't see lord i Somebody's praying for me. before your throne, and Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe somebody's praying for me. Well, I've walked the barren wilderness where my pillow was a stone, and i been through the darkest hour where no light had ever shone. Still, I had hope because there was someone who was down on their knees. And I thank you, God, for the people praying all this time.
0: So I want to lead you in a little bit of time of directed prayer, and directed prayer is simply a way of saying I'm going to lead you in prayer, but I want to invite you to participate with me, so I'm going to say a line and invite you to say it back. But before, we, before I start into that, I want to I do two things. First of all, I want to ask you to think about somebody that you need to pray for today. Surely, you know somebody that needs prayer. Prayer. And so when we begin in just a moment, I want to begin by inviting you to pray for that person or those people that the Lord puts on your heart right now. And I also want to mention a couple of other needs in the life of our church that, that we should be mindful of. One of them is that Don and Frida Wells' granddaughter's funeral is going to be in another week, and we want to be prayerful for them. Uh, some of you have heard by now that... Um, Brian Edmondson's dad, uh, Bill Edmondson, died uh, this past week. Uh, Brian was our worship leader before Kelly and his parents, a part of our family at Lighthouse at that time. And, and Bill had some surgery this week and ended up dying as a as result of complications from that. So I want to invite you to be prayerful for, for uh, Bill's wife, Brenda, and of course, Brian and his sister, Noel. Uh, also, uh, I, I'm aware that uh, Marshall Sansbury is leading a trip down to the orphanage, Casa Hogar in Mexico, and so we want to be prayerful for that team, for safe travels, and for God to move uh, in their time there at the orphanage. So let's begin our time of directed prayer. I want to invite you to, to, if you'll, if you'll bear with me for a moment, let me invite you to to just kind of put yourself in a posture of prayer by sitting up straight in your chair. Maybe by opening your hands up as a symbol, nothing, 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 it's just a symbol. Uh, You can just do it like this or you can put them on your, on the tops of your thighs if you want, just as a symbol of saying, God, I'm open to you. I want to be open to you and uh, let's begin our guided prayer time. I'm just going to be quiet for a moment and invite you to name the names of the people that you want to pray for right now. Let's do that at this moment. Join with me now in this directed prayer. Creator of all that is, you have called us to be a people who pray for others. Help us by the power of your Spirit to not just say we will pray, but to actually pray. May our prayers be honest, real not filled with fake or ingenuine words. May we, through prayer, be an encouragement to others. May we come alongside them in an effort to help them see how you want to come alongside them too. May we pray not in our own strength, But we pray in the mighty, incomparable name of Jesus. We pray today for people who are struggling with broken relationships, who are suffering physically, who are beat down because of grief. Lord, whatever the case, Touch people's lives with your love. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen Amen. and amen.